If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, for the first 26 minutes, we have some fun conversation before we get into the questions. We talk about Adam's super expensive Whole Foods cashews. <laughs> so unnecessary. Yeah, Call you, me out because of our sponsor. Yeah, you actually, uh, it was like 16 ounces, like $15 for cashews, where I got mine at Thrive Market. He just has four. money to throw away. Under $10, same thing. Again, uh, Thrive Market, organic, non-GMO foods, uh, online, for the same price or even cheaper than their conventional counterparts. Mind Pump has hooked you up. Go to Thrive Market dot com forward slash mind pump and you'll get twenty dollars off the first three orders of forty nine dollars or more free shipping and a free month membership we also talk about uh my need to save money uh because of the cost of private school yeah breaking the bank i'll be driving the jetta gotta forever. be thrifty man uh we talk about the difference between public and private schools we talk about high school reunions uh i refuse to go to mine Lame. Uh, and the lawsuits against... Unpopular. <laughs> the la- He's got no friends. The lawsuit. You guys Unpopular. are my friends, right? And the lawsuits against the soda companies. Apparently, people are saying that diet sodas... Made you fat. ...are making them fat, and they're suing them. This is crazy. What do we think about that? This is crazy. I did a post on my IG. Diet Coke made yeah. me fat. We also mentioned our sponsor, Organifi. If you go to OrganifiShop.com, enter the code MindPump you'll get a big discount. Then we get into the questions. The first question was, what kind of hobbies do we have outside of fitness and optimization? Again, Sal has no life. And do we think it impacts I us? I wear a clown suit. Uh, and our abilities and perspectives. You, what? you do what? Okay. I have no friends. You're so weird. You didn't know that about me? The next question was, uh, do we have a go-to routine to bounce back after a night of drinking? Justin lays down the... Wisdom in that question. Oh, yeah. He's very experienced. I navigate. Uh, then we talk about the benefit of having, uh, what is the, the difference between having someone spot you and giving you a forced rep versus you stopping short on your own? Which one is That's better? That's right. Does your workout partner suck? Yeah. Fire your gym buddy. Exactly. And the final question, uh, in episode 610, uh, one of our guests, Dr. Andy Galpin, a great guy, very smart dude, talks about how Orange Theory took an old proven wrong concept of optimal training with their heart rate zone. He actually got it wrong. It's epoch is what they talk about. We dispel it a little bit and we talk about Orange Theory and we talk about, uh, and Adam talks about his experiences Mm. at Orange Theory. Also, uh, I'd like to remind everybody that we offer something called a MAPS Super Bundle. And I want to say that because we have a lot of new listeners coming on the show. I've been on a few podcasts and the boys have also been on some other podcasts. We might have some new listeners Here's what this MAP Super Bundle is. We took all of our best programs, we put them together so that people can enroll in something and have a year's worth of detailed exercise programming. In other words, if you enroll in the MAP Super Bundle, you'll have your year planned out for you. You'll know what to do when. You'll It's different phases, different adaptations. You'll go from training for strength to training for athletic performance to training for aesthetics to body weight training. There's correctional exercises in there. Uh, video demos, it's blueprints, it's our explanations, breaking it down. It's like having us as your coach. 
Uh, it's just, it's almost as good as having us as your coach, but it's all in this super bundle. It's a year's worth of exercise programming. We're probably the only fitness podcast on earth that's going to tell you it's going to take longer than 30 days to get your ideal shape. Um, and you can find it at mindpumpmedia.com. T-shirt time. Give away some shirts, Doug. How many yeah. reviews did we do? 18. Hey. Right. Not bad. Legal. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> finally legal. <laughs> all right. We're giving out five shirts, starting with Chris18, Gussie Gussie, Sharice Brady7, Danny Ria, Painter Raider. All of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindbumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and we'll get that right out to you. Thanks, guys and girls. Also, if you want to leave a review and win a t-shirt because your odds are super high, just go to your podcast app, click on it. You got to search the name Mind Pump, even if you subscribe. Like you have never met us. Click on an icon. When it comes up, there'll be a little section that says reviews. Leave a five-star review. Leave a great review. If we like it, You'll get a free t-shirt, and these shirts are worth a lot of money. How about the Can City podcast making fun of my voice? Oh, my God. Did I love them for that? That intro? That was so funny. I was dying. You know know what it is? We're so hospitable. They're like, oh, we're friends now. We're not that close. (laughs) Now we're going to fuck with you. We're not that close. Yeah. You can't make fun of me. Uh, The the, the Maps Doritos were pretty awesome. Or pizza. Pizza rolls. Yeah, Uh, that was a good one. Naps and pizza rolls. They're they're good guys. Good guys. Dude, why are you getting uh, cashies from Whole Foods, bro? Uh, Why are you going to bust me? Like you know that. what it is? You know what it is? You know we have I was, a sponsor, I right? was already there. I was already there. I paid the extra money. I fucking Bro, would you, would you pay like 15 Man. bucks? That's like $15, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's the one I get from Thrive is under $10. No wonder you're poor, dude. Dude, let me, <laughs> he's not because he doesn't have kids. Oh, that's that's why he's rich. That's, that's why he just like spends on whatever. Dude, yeah. so uh, talk about saving, saving money because, and thank you Thrive Market for saving a shit ton of money for these purchases because I'm going to need it, dude. This weekend, I went and did these open houses at some of these private high schools mm. around here. Yeah, I don't want to name what they are because you know I don't like to put you know where my kids go and all that stuff. But they're in the you know in the area. I'm looking at these private schools. First of all, you guys went to public school, right? Yeah. Yep. So did I. And I'm gonna straight up the public school system in California generally is shit. So it generally sucks. Totally afraid right. okay. all our teachers yeah, are listening. That's okay. Certain areas <laughs> hey, that are better than others. Part of the, that way. Part of the reason why it sucks is not because of the teachers. It's it's part. It's really the, not the teachers' fault uh, in many many cases. Um, I think uh, we don't need to get into that. But I do think that you know teachers that do really well don't even get compensated for it, and then there's problems with getting rid of bad ones, and that's part of it. But nonetheless, this the it's just bad, especially for like if you buy a house in San Jose. In the worst part of San Jose, you're going to spend like three quarters of a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And then you have a public school that you got to send your kids to that is horrible on top of it. So it's just, a, it's just obviously things are super expensive here. But these these high schools, dude, the the difference between... <coughs> private, these, private elementary and then private high school? Oh, no, 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 no. I forget the price because it is expensive on top of you know paying my taxes for public school. I'm not going to use... Then I have to pay extra for the school that I'm gonna send my kids to, but it's a different world. Like I remember my high school that I went to, and it wasn't necessarily a bad. It wasn't really a bad high school, but the difference in the quality of the sh- like this these high school campuses like college, dude. It's like you're walking on a college campus. I'm going in the science department or whatever, and it's like laboratories. Like I don't remember any of this stuff in school. <laughs> I'm going to the robotics. Uh, they have the they uh, one of these high schools. 
they uh, they're like the reigning champions of the world for robotics. I go in the robotics lab or whatever, and I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm in like. Tesla, you know what I mean? With these kids working on these robots and there's like 3D printers and the teachers are like super like, you know, in there and the, there's kids touring everybody wearing shirt and ties and, you know, the, the guys are wearing shirt and ties and the girls are all professional and the way they're talking and I'm, I'm just like, holy shit, like, it's another world, dude. It's a whole nother world. I couldn't imagine being in that world growing up and, you know, where I m- may have been or what would have happened. Oh, I always wonder that same thing, too. This mm-hmm. is a this is an ongoing debate between... I, the irony is Katrina and I don't have kids, and it's an ongoing debate that we have all the time. Because <laughs> she grew up in public school, and so did her siblings. But, uh, you know, my, my mom, my best friend, they're, they're in uh, teaching and... Um, uh, my half my family's teachers. Yeah, you know, so I have a ton of teachers and principals and vice principals and stuff like that in my family. And anyone that's in the system is like, if you can afford to put your kids in private school, put your kids in private school. And they and they, that's them saying that working in public schools, you know, and they know it's just it's not. You can't compare. You can't get. You don't get the same type of yeah. attention. There's less control in it. It's. It's uh, you know, and it's not to say that you can't. But it's come- it breaks the bank, dude. Yeah, especially uh-huh. around here, because you know, in Silicon Valley, everything is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like everything is super expensive. So no matter because there's so much competition. Well, it's even- like college, right? It's like the the high schools over here for private are like twenty grand a year. Yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll be spending if you count books and everything, close to a hundred grand for four years of high school. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> but, but, and you're right, it is crazy. Uh, but when you, like, I've taken, because I've done open houses at the public schools, because I'm like, okay, let's, you know, the high schools and stuff. There's no, it's like a totally different yeah. world. It's completely different. Like, just the resources that they have and the, you know, the, the just, just everything. Like, uh, at one of the high schools I was going, uh, I went to, there, they have the science department that works with NASA. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Cool. So yeah. like if you have a kid that is like a high performing kid and you're really involved or whatever, like it's a, it's a uh Let's go get Buzz Aldrin in the in the mix here. It creates yeah. like crazy opportunities. Nonetheless, uh I'm going to have to start saving I'll be driving the Jetta for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. Mine like pump's going to mine pump can blow up and I'll be uh, driving my Jetta dude cuz it's it breaks the bank. I'm like, son, you got to use the internet. That's my, yeah. I told my kid, it's either like, hey, I either pay for high school or college. Take your pick because I can't do both, dude. <laughs> well, then you see some of these parents that would be popping out three, four, or five kids and be thinking to yourself, God damn, dude, that's like. Dude, don't get me started with that. Yeah. Oh. Well, some of the private schools, uh, what is it, Harker? Yeah. You know how much Harker costs? Dude, Harker's yeah. insane. Harker uh, Elementary School is, the elementary school, forty, I think $40,000 a year. Yeah. For the elementary school, so like, I had a your client, kids in first grade, bro. Yeah, I had a client his uh, like, what are you teaching my kid in first grade that is right. worth forty thousand, dude? Yeah, what what does that consist? When of? you think about that, when it's that much money, if whatever whatever profession you or your wife have, you could almost like not work and just stay home and dedicate yourself into teaching those kids. Well, it's, it's almost the same. It's like, so yeah. what's crazy about this to some me, which is and it's I can see why some people get angry about it, especially if you're like. You know, you work hard and you want your kids, everybody. Here's the thing that all parents or most parents have in common. Not all parents. Some parents are shit. But most parents have in common is that we just want what's best for our kids. We just want the best for our children. We love our kids. We want them to do well. We want them to have the same opportunities or the right opportunities. And it's, this doesn't work that way. Life isn't like that. You know, yeah. some kids have better it's not opportunities. not the same. And it's, I can see why some people get angry. But the part that's crazy is that even if you have the money, let's say you've got the money, 
and you go to some of these schools and you're like, okay, I'm going to pay 40 grand a year. Doesn't guarantee your kids even going to go there. That's, it's even it's competitive even at, even at that level. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You still have to apply to get in. You still have to apply, and yeah, it's just it's. It's crazy. all about the network. I mean, for the most part, yeah, the education crazy. is great and the resources, but the network that they you know place you with, like you said, NASA. Like, if you have a communication channel open <laughs> yes. with fucking like people from well, NASA, that, that and when you look at it like okay, so you mm, internship, you, you grow up with these kids, right? So you know, and, and if you have a, a a normal childhood with friendships and relationships with other students, there's a good likelihood, especially going through. Uh, you know, a private school like that, that if you don't turn out to be or get the job at NASA, that one of your friends or like that, like the percentage of those kids that go on to do and make really good money or go on to bigger colleges and then go on from there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the rates, I can't remember. I'm sure you know, because you've been there, but I, I looked at it before a long time ago and it's like, it's huge difference, right? Well, there. there's a lot of factors to consider too, because I, I was thinking about this quite a bit. I'm like, okay, because you can look at the numbers, like if a kid goes through private school system, the odds that they go to college are far higher. Um, they're they're typically, you know, they'll do better in school. Typically, the, the classes they'll take will be more advanced, and blah blah blah. And these are just objective numbers. But there's a lot of factors in there, right? Like, okay, maybe the school's better, maybe the teachers are more involved. Um, you know, you could you could make an argument that teachers may be more involved because. There's more of a um, there's a little bit more of a motivation in the sense that uh, in, in private schools teachers if they perform well probably can get rewarded more if they do bad they'll get booted you know that whole thing but then there's this other factor in the sense that the parents that can afford to send their kids to private schools so there's that environment at home and then maybe also the parents who send their kids to these schools may find education to be more uh, important and place more importance on well, so more involved. I was going to say, so I mean, all these factors. I would imagine that if, if, I, if I'm a parent and I'm spending $40,000 a year on my kid to go to school, I'm definitely heavily invested in his homework. What the fuck are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not paying 40 Dude, grand a year. Your, kid, your yeah. kid's like, I don't you know. Your kid just like, you get a note from the teacher. Yeah. Your kid didn't do his homework. You just see dollar signs like disappearing. Oh, right away. <laughs> that So it's different, right? Like if it's, I could easily see if my kid's going to public school and those things slacking off and it's like, oh, we'll wait till a report card comes out and like, hey, you need to get your grades up, whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. But when you're shelling out, when you're, when you're having to drive your Jetta and you don't get to drive your Lamborghini that you yeah. want. Well, well, if money because means you're something for this to little you shit like to that. go through school, yeah. motherfucker better be coming home doing his homework every day, and dad will be there waiting for you to make yeah. sure you do. He's like, Dad, I want to be an artist. Like, right, like, right. like no, son, I'm sorry, you have to be yeah. a brain surgeon yeah. in order for me to get a return of the money I invested. Right. Brain surgeon or corporate attorney. Those well, then you got to see like the other end of that, right? Like the the kid that just totally rebels, you know, like the the parent that just has the money and just sends them to that school and expects it all to happen. Yeah. Is passive with it. I mean, it's it, it's it's still there. We were actually having this conversation, ironically, this weekend. Um, we had a bunch of family over and stuff, and and did paella at Katrina's family's house. And uh, my uncle had a, a really rough upbringing. So did I. And you know, my uncle's done very very well for himself. And because of that, uh, you know, he had kids that <clears throat> he put. They had everything. I mean, they. I, I remember being a kid. I'll never forget. I've shared on the show before that like Rad was like my you know childhood movie, right? <laughs> I so, still have to watch that. Right. <laughs> you guys keep talking about uh, it. So send me an angel, right? Yeah. 
So I always wanted like, you know, the, the Haro or the Mongoose bike or whatever like that. And I was like oh, yeah. 10, 12, 13 years old. And that was like my dream bike. And, you know, my parents, I remember when I finally got a bike, it was like the BMX, like $80 bike, you know, that wasn't the 400 or $600 GT or Haro yeah. or whatever. And my, my cousins that were like four and five years old, had like mongoose bikes with training wheels on them. Oh, dude. Like shit. they're not even old enough to know what the bikes they were they were riding. Yeah, like the Rolls Royce Power oh, Wheels. Everything. Yeah. Every my uncle. Pow, pow, I power mean, wheels. I remember being a kid and they had like this huge TV in their bedroom and every video gaming system. Like they just had everything. And then, you know, I know my uncle now. Him being older, he struggles with with that. You know, wishing that his kids had the same drive and and as he does, and they just. They don't have it, you know, and now he's finding some, he's got three of them, you know, that he's still kind of financially helping. He's got two yeah. of them that, you know, he's paying for and he's got another one. It doesn't, college, gu- so. it for sure doesn't guarantee success. That's a huge myth. You know what I mean? Cause well, uh, the, yes. the, the, the drug use rate in private schools can be pretty high and there are some public schools in California that rank pretty high, but it's typically in the ones that are, you know, super unaccessible. Like you have to buy a $3 million house to go to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember my business, I had a wellness studio my wellness studio is in Los Gatos, which is a very expensive part of Silicon Valley. You know, a, a, a average house there is probably $2 million or whatever. And I remember there was like a five-year period where there were suicides happening at the high school there. Like, mm. like uh, one suicide is you, you hear about one at a high school and that's a, that blows you away because they're not super common. There were like three or something like that that happened over the course of a five-year period. And it makes you wonder, you know what I mean? It makes you wonder if... The parents are just not involved or if there's, I don't know. So it doesn't guarantee success, you know, whatsoever. Because you do see a lot of these like celebrity kids too where the, they're super spoiled and they become just assholes and douchebags. I mean, I just want yeah. my kids to be, to fulfill, you know, to feel fulfilled and to be at the end of the day, at, peace. at the end of the day, it's always going to come back down to the parenting, right? Like we yep. could, we could always. talk, we could always talk about the systems and all the shit that could be better or, Oh, unfortunate. Parents for this. play the biggest role. Yeah. yeah. How, however involved you are with the process. Right. It's going to determine things. Right. So. Cause I, I could see how I, I could see how my kid goes to private school. If I had a kid goes to private school or a public school and I could see him turning out either way based off of really on my involvement in that whole process. You know, if you're a parent who invests $40,000 a year to put them in private school and you think that's just the answer, Mm -hmm. and so then you're just, you have a very poor relationship with your child and you just think that, oh, the school will take care of him being successful later, you're probably up for a surprise later on There's also, you can't forget like challenges in life you know, they can forge incredible individuals. And well, this is what my uncle was saying this yeah. week. And he's like, you know, my, my biggest regrets, he says, I, I wish I allowed more adversity for my kids growing up. He says they needed it. Obviously, mm-hmm. looking, he says, looking back now is they're all in their late twenties and mid twenties. And, and he's like, and where they're at in their life. He's like, man, I, I guess, I guess they didn't have enough. You know, he, he was, he was trying to protect him because he felt he had too much mm-hmm. of adversity to overcome. And that's what made him to who he is today. And then by protecting them too much and not allowing them to go through some adversity. Now he has these kids that just don't seem to want to struggle at all because mm-hmm. they've had it, they've had it handed to them mm-hmm. for most of their life. By the way, when I say that the California public schools are just terrible, I'm talking about the rankings. Like we're 42 in the nation, by the way. So one of the richest states in the, I think the, if not the richest state and we're 42 <laughs> In the nation, so it is pretty bad. I'm just yeah. being objective here. It's not just my opinion. There's actual On numbers. Average, yeah. You should see, by the way, the weight rooms of these high school gyms. Because of course, you know, so I'm like, yeah, D1 college I'm weight doing, rooms. You know, because I'm doing the tour, you know, and it's the students that are touring us. And I was really impressed with the kids, by the way. Super, 
like poised and charismatic and, you know, well-spoken. And then at the end, you can just walk around yourself. And so I'm going inside all these classrooms and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want to go see the gym. And dude, it's fucking platforms and like rubber plates. And I my, I remember my high school gym had a universal machine. <laughs> like, yeah, like I think one squat rack, if I wasn't, oh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. it was just, it was terrible. Ours was as big as the studio and it was just this fart box. You know, it was horrible. <laughs> it was just like squat racks and benches and like wow. one platform and just smell. Well, well I, so our, I met our, duct tape on the fucking fuck. on the on yeah. the seats. I was like, get me out of here. Yeah. But I, I met the the. Well, I we met, all got big. I would talk to like the strength and conditioning like I don't know if they were coaches or coordinators, if whatever you you would call them. And then we we were sitting there talking about programming and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh shit, like this is legit. Like they're legit, you know, strength coaches who understand exercise programming. Because I don't remember any of that at yeah, all. But no. uh, but again, keep in mind, I went to high school, you know, a little while ago. You know I mean? it was, <laughs> it's just like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the black and white days when mm. yeah, TV was letting out. Didn't, did, you, did you just pass your 20-year reunion? I did. You, did you go? No. Come on, man. You didn't, no. go, to, you didn't go to the 20s? No. What? Dude. I, it was, it, I don't know how many times I have to say this. School for me we should have gone for was him. so yeah. unmemorable that I couldn't even, I would go and I'd be like, what? You know, like, okay. I, so unmemorable for me. I want to go. Total to my, waste of I time. I want to go to my 20. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go to any of the other ones, but 20, I feel like that's a long time. Yeah. Cause then you'll see some dramatic change in people. A lot. Like, yeah. For, I know, I know that I've, I kind of see people on social media that I hadn't seen in years and then, like everybody is very, very different. So it'd just be interesting to see everybody after 20 years. Who's, yeah. who's where in their Dude, life? Dude, I enjoyed high school. Everybody <laughs> talked shit about it. I enjoyed it. So you yeah. had a, you were in a small town, kind of though. Small, you had a small it town. It's a tight knit community. Yeah. yeah, that's how our. Mind I think was that's too. totally different than when you go to when you're in a big city. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's a different feel because I've I've had friends who went to those kinds of schools and it mm-hmm. was very different. It felt Do you remember? How many, you mm-hmm. know what though? It's funny is the high schools over here, which I don't know Justin's, but. They're not that much bigger than my little small town high school. We only have one high school in the whole town. So, you know, San Jose has got like 20 something or whatever. Shit tons of schools. Yeah, they have like 20 something high schools, but they're all relatively, because I think there's like a range. Like once you get that like three to 5,000 students. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily the size of the school. It's that there's so many. So like, like, okay, so when I managed the, the first gym that I ever managed was a 24-hour fitness in Salinas. It's right across the street from the, the rodeo over there. Um, and when I'll never forget, like my first, there was a high school game that came up like the second month or whatever, high school football game. And I remember the town was like shut down for a high school football game. I'd never seen that before because in San Jose, there's, there's so many schools that nobody really cares. Mm -hmm. But in towns like that, it's like, you see posters up. That's like the thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like a total, it's like a big deal. Oh, that's how it was for us. Our town was too. You have, you only had one main street and then anytime we had a home football game, like all the windows of all the stores are Mm -hmm. painted, all the high school colors and the shit like that. Like you just. Yeah, all downtown. They had like this one, uh, uh, gas station that would like you could go in and get a deal for you like wore your jersey and everything and so they were like they would give back a lot um, mm-hmm. yeah to the high that's school awesome. football team that's awesome you know what else I wanted to bring up you sent me that article and, oh, and someone then- else had sent me that article right before you that did you guys uh, did you see Justin um, I posted it on my the, Instagram uh, so is it the soda companies or the artificial sweetener no companies? no no the, the, so the soda companies are getting sued oh, so it's, I didn't read it's that. Diet Coke it's Pepsi company yeah. it's Snapple because they're saying that the aspartame you know they lied to them that, that <laughs> they wouldn't make them fat it's making me fat and there's and now there's some studies that show that that it may contribute to 
diabetes and obesity. Um, so what's interesting, dude, this I, is huge. It is huge. People don't realize it how is, big this it is. It is huge, Bunch and, of, and that's why I posted it. Just assholes. I I posted on my Instagram. And I'm just, so divided on the way I feel. Yeah. About well, it. so so do I. Okay, let me tell you why I haven't responded to anybody who's responding on my page right now because. I don't want people to. I'd rather talk about it on the show where I can explain myself because yeah. I, there's parts of it that I'm pro. Like I'm all for the law. I'm all for people suing them. And then there's parts of me yeah. that are just like, yeah. take responsibility for yourself, well, right? So, the, well, because you want to keep them accountable, right? For like putting shit out there, but at the same time, you're the ones that are consuming it, that, right? And that's where I'm a little torn. But here, so when I read about the the news article about it, um, I, I'm more in support than I am against because so this is different than. When people uh, sued McDonald's for making them obese, because at the time, well, McDonald's was isn't marketing themselves as a place to diet either. That's right. Diet that's soda, diet sodas oh, are are, are presenting there. themselves like mm. that's it's right. Like this is a better way. This is a healthier way yes. for you to eat. So they're not suing. Be the, different if, McDo- if McDonald's came out and said, you know, sense. you know, this is the fast. This is weight this loss. This is the fast healthiest food. way to yeah, eat. Yeah, this is fast food weight loss. Then I think yeah. that I would be no, more behind this, those lawsuits. This is similar to this. Reminds the me of healthy burger. This yeah. reminds me of when people sued the tobacco companies because the tobacco companies came out and said, we don't cause cancer, we're not addictive. Then the studies came out and they're like, it does you know, cause cancer. So then the family members of people who got lung cancer hmm. sued them. Mm-hmm. It's similar in the sense because when I'm reading the news articles, it says that they're being sued for misleading ads. Yeah. And what they're misleading, what's misleading is that the artificial sweeteners boost cravings for high calorie foods promote inflammation, affect the vascular system, and alter hormones in the microbiome. Uh, so, it, which is true. It is yeah. true. Studies are showing that, and more and more study, studies are coming out to support that. So, and it is a bit misleading, right? Because diet sodas, it's like a healthy alternative. It's yeah, good it's, for you. It's di- exactly. Yeah. It's different. If they were to name, have named it a long time ago as aspartame coke, or called it, you know, whatever Coke, and it wasn't called Diet <laughs> Coke to it. or Diet Snapple or Diet. I mean, when you when you put that in there, you're implying that this is for people that are trying to it's lose weight. For you. Yeah, that it's healthier for you, that it's better for you, or it's it's it's, and which is also takes us back to the whole uh, discussion of the shakes and using that as a weight loss strategy, and like we talked about mm-hmm. with that one doctor that one day. So I'm torn on how I feel because I believe that obviously we should all be accountable accountable and I don't, I don't believe in suing people because we're too dumb to see through yeah. advertising but you know it is very misleading when you think about where we've been going with diabetes and obesity in the last 10 15 years we're getting worse before we're getting better so here you have products like this that are supposed to be on the market to help people and in reality it's probably accelerating the the issue that's happening right now because people are confused on what's happening to them. They have no idea because they're not educating themselves. So that's partially their own fault. But then, if we don't, get, if these lawsuits don't happen, then how, who's going to finally stop? Yeah, how you bring awareness, right? Yeah. And so it, I mean, that's the only angle I really see, and I, I do understand where you're coming from with that because I just, it, I, I'm just repulsed by all the lawsuits that exist out there. I feel like uh, oh, it's so litigious. The society's so I'm litigious. so over it. I'm so yeah. over people not taking responsibility for what you know they're doing and trying to just take down whoever they can to to profit off of them and and you know and i understand it from um you know real like circumstantial well, cases where it makes sense but like the overall like theme of of today is like way overly litigious oh yeah and i'm for sure. over it for sure but this is such a people i don't think a lot of people realize how big of a deal this is 
if oh, this is going to shift some shit real if quick. If they win, mm-hmm. which I doubt, and I'll tell you why I doubt that they're going to win. I doubt they're going to win because the companies that manufacture and make these these products are massive. And oh, they're all going to get together. And they're going to make the, they're, they're going to they're going to say all we have said is that these sodas don't have calories and don't have sugar and that that can help you lose weight, which you can make that case. Um, the sewers are trying to say, hey, this is bad for us and you, you know, you're not telling us. And then they're going to say, we didn't know it was bad for you because the studies are inconclusive. In fact, the FDA is still saying that. So I don't think they're going to win. But if they did win, holy fuck, that would set a, that would set a precedence that would destroy these companies because everybody would come out of the woodworks and would start suing these companies. Yeah. It's left and right. No matter what, it's going to shake some shit up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we, we called it, we called this a long time Mm. ago. Like the market is shifting. I'm going to make another call in right now because they've had it for, I think four plus years now and we're we're barely starting to see it uh, be advertised. Watch the push in advertising the green Cokes now. Watch the push on that. You've had, they've been they've had them for over four years. Many people that have heard this show and us talk have talked about them a bunch. Okay, of Institute Plan C. That, yeah. No, it's hundred percent. You got to know like that's how smart these companies are, right? Yep. You, this is they've had it in place for this is like pull the parachute now. Fucking yeah. we, we head over here. Why everybody else that wasn't prepared? And I don't know how many of these other companies have done what like Coca Cola did by having this line that is real sugar and stevia so you get kind of the best of both worlds it's a little bit lower calorie and then it's all it's used a natural sweetener instead of something mm-hmm. like aspartame so i'm really interested to see if all of a sudden we start seeing these commercials and stuff pop up like crazy it's gonna it's it's already gonna start because now it's mainstream like mm-hmm. mainstream is talking about this so people are gonna what's gonna happen is it's gonna spark a lot of debate you're gonna see people talking about like on the one hand you're gonna have people say no the perfectly safe and then on the other hand you're gonna have people saying no these studies are showing this so now it's in the mainstream and people are going to talk about it it's going to make it it's going to be very interesting i'm very interested to see mm-hmm. what ends up happening I, if i like, here's the thing if i'm a company and i'm making sodas i'm just going to say like i'm going to put on the bottle made with real sugar or made with like i'm not going to try to pretend yeah, you know right. what i mean yeah. that something's not what it is like hey it's a donut you yeah. know donut with sugar it's good whatever you know like <laughs> like it's okay that, that then you won't get sued right, and yeah. i don't think that'll stop people from well gone it. are those days right that you could be sort of vague about you know what's in your product like like people want to know exactly what's in there yeah. and that's why I'm, I'm so surprised that whole uh you know that didn't pass about like labeling with gmo and everything here it's just like it's, it's crazy to me some of the some states that pass those laws are getting overturned from the federal government yeah that they they can't label that that don't get me started on that. That's a whole That's, nother. I just it's fucking, fucking absurd world. to me. So I didn't know that. World. I didn't know that we had some states that actually mm-hmm. passed that. So some mm-hmm. states actually started to put GMO on anything that had GMO in it. And then and then there was there was um, some Not federal laws that were GMO. an act that was passed that said you can't label that states can't label to try and over to, to say no. Sorry, I think Vermont was one and Hawaii and. Um, there's a lot of power there that's happening and uh, you know where the federal government then steps in and tells the states no 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 you can't label of course which is like you're fucking so with, weird you're fucking yeah, with corn what? and wheat dude yeah Corn and weed is no, right up there with the cigarettes and alcohol and fucking, you know, yeah. that's right up there, dude. It's like, what's part of the, the tobacco, guns, cigarettes, uh. and fucking and fucking wheat and corn, dude. Yeah. It's right up there with the fucking five killers, Jesus dude. It's just, you, better believe, you better believe someone's coming to the rescue on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, it's oh, crazy. shit. Anyway. Bring on the bird. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. 
For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, first up is 1112 Lauren asking, what are your hobbies outside of fitness and optimization? If you don't have any, do you think it impacts you in terms of being more holistic in your abilities and perspective? Hobbies outside optimization. of fitness and optimization? That's out, yeah, outside of fitness and optimization. Constantly optimized. So nothing related to fitness or optimization. So we can't be like, you know, oh, I go and I do the float tank. That's part of my hobby. Or I go and I do stuff that's that's <laughs> optimizing. Like just yeah. pure, so, purely out of entertainment. What do you enjoy to do on your... Well, this 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 uh, right now, you know what I'm doing that I love is watching uh, Stranger Things. You guys see the new yeah, Stranger Things? Dude. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't watch it. It's yet. Great. Oh, it's great! It's so good. Yeah. How many episodes did you watch? I had four. No, you watch four. Three. Three. God, yeah. I yeah. can get Actually, into. Four, I can yeah. get into. Sometimes I can get into TV, um, and I'll watch the fuck out of it. Um, well, it's crazy now. They they release that new season, and it's like the whole thing's there. It's like how do people like control themselves not to watch all of them at once? Oh, dude. Yeah, it's oh, like. It's it's just. All I was there. almost late to to to, <laughs> to something yesterday. I had to control I was, myself. I was yeah. watching it. Um, otherwise, hobbies. I'm trying to think. Well, even that one because I love. I really really enjoy doing things that tend to also optimize, um, but not necessarily because they optimize. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you're not thinking about it. While well, you're I doing think it. Yeah. I, I could even argue. Okay, so it says if you don't have any, do you think the impacts of you in terms of being more holistic in your abilities and perspective? I think you could even put a spin on, um, you know, watching Netflix series occasionally, right? Because you're, I think there's this fine line of uh, the consumption, right? Like, are you letting yourself get sucked into it and addicted to it and you burn four or five hours every day being sucked into Netflix? Sure. Or is it something that provides a release from you because you're normally working and focused on business and the kids and everybody else? And then it allows you this time to actually detach a little bit. Because for me, that's kind of, I love movies. I love like Netflix series. Um, I still manage to find them into my life. But, you know, I'm also reading and doing playing sports and doing other things besides just that. I'm not letting that kind of completely consume my life. But there, there's a part of it that I really do. When I watch a series, uh, I feel like it allows me to kind of shut my brain off. I become engulfed in the story that I forget about all the stuff that I have to handle that day mm-hmm. and tomorrow. Yeah. And, and so I think there's, there's something healthy about that that comes from of that. Of course. People, yeah. people what sometimes we look at entertainment and we look at it as a waste of time and money and it can be abused. Like anything can be abused. Even fitness can be abused. But if it's not being abused, entertainment plays a valuable role in society because like, like you're saying, Adam, it could be a way to relax, a way to, you know, be in the present. Mm-hmm. It could be a way to enjoy your company around you, to bond with other people. It could it could definitely increase the value. Alter your mood. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of benefits to it. And I, you know, I, I go through this a lot because I'm always thinking about how to spend my time when I'm home and be more effective and be more present and all that kind of stuff, which is definitely an optimizing kind of mentality where, you know, I want to spend as much time as I can with my kids while they're young and, you know, they're here and we'll go, like, I'll teach them how to, you know, throw a ball and we'll go outside and we'll play catch and all that stuff. And I'm like, just, I'm trying to be as like focused as I can on what we're doing together. 
But yeah, like then there's times where I'll just sneak off into the room and I'll just start playing guitar, and that's strictly for myself. And I just, I, I it brings me peace and do you it still, calms me do down. Do you actually still do that? Do you actually still get away and do that for yourself? <sighs> I mean, not very frequently, but when I do, it's like it makes like a real big impact on me because mm. it's just like I just feel like. I don't know. Like it's really just my thing. Nobody else's thing. Yeah. So I think I think that's actually really important that mm-hmm. you have these things. Um, so I last year I I bought Katrina I think for her birthday um, like a whole snowboard setup and everything like that so I can get back into riding. And so and this year the goal was to get in a lot. I, I got in a few rides last year um, and just it felt amazing and it felt amazing because. I used to say, and I've said that I said this all through my twenties. Like if somebody asks, like, "Where's your, you know, where are you in your, um, you know, Zen, or where is your most like special? Where's your, where's your special place, right?" And my special place was, you know, being up on top of a mountain and just a beautiful day and the sun and the board strapped up, headphones in my ear and all alone. Like I don't have to be with anybody. I can share that with somebody, but for me, it's one of the most peaceful, relaxing, enjoyable moments. And I always find when I do that, it it rejuvenates me for everything else, and I and I'm, I'm a better version of myself when I get back from doing that. And so this year, a major goal was for me to get back into. That. I mean, I used to be a season pass holder where I was going every free weekend that I had. I'd be up there and I'd be riding, and I and I notice uh, how happy I am. And then I realize that as we get older, you know, other things become a priority, and that's how these things start to kind of take a take a back seat because we become so focused on the business, our children, our partners bills, all this mortgages, all this stuff that becomes so important. But those things too, you know, it's it's no different than how we talk about stresses in your life, right? Like if you're a type A personality and all you do is add stress, add stress, add all these all these things that are pressure and stress on your life and you forget to do some of these things that actually allow you to escape from that, you lose balance. And uh, I mean, I definitely have lost balance in in my especially the last 10 years, because I've been so heavily focused on, you know, growth and finances and things like that, that I I stopped doing some of these things. And I stopped doing them because I felt like I had to let them go if I was going to excel at these other things. But it's not true. It's just like the meditation thing we talk about. seems like, oh, I have to take an hour out of my day to meditate. Like it's going to take, it's going to kill, it's going to take away from something. But in reality, it's, it's amazing how it rejuvenates you when you have these escapes. And so, for me, like for sure, two big things that uh, I noticed in my life. And this is just literally this last year. This is a big deal for me. I cut back on snowboarding a lot, which was really important to me, and uh, watching sports that I love. Football and basketball are two things that I grew up my whole life, you know, just heavily into it. And it was something I shared with my best friends. And over the years, I've kind of, I, out of all of us, I've fallen off that because it takes time. It takes time to follow oh, yeah. up on your sports and watch totally. the games. Drop the ball on that one. Right. And so I kind of like let it go to waste. But, you know, this year I'm, I'm back to watching my team play football, catching the Warriors playing ball, and I really fucking enjoy it. I'm a happier person when I'm allowing those things in, into my life and finding that balance. So I think Yeah, that's why this, this question is interesting because, you know, what are your hobbies outside of fitness and ho- optimization? I understand the fitness part, but a hobby – Unless it's something that you're obsessed with and you abuse, it's always optimization, right? Even if it's not in that category of optimization, like right. you know, brain hacking or whatever, if it's a real hobby and you're not abusing it and you're not obsessed with it, it's going to optimize your life. Right. No matter what, it could be stamp collecting. I mean, if it's something you're into and it brings value to your life and again, you're not obsessed with it or it's not an addiction, 
then that's optimization. Um, I, you know, as a kid, I never really had a, a ton of hobbies. I loved, I, I did like reading, um, but it was always, I would always read uh, biographies or, you know, Obscure science, things. science books or encyclopedia type stuff. So, so you know, I, uh, when, when I was a real young kid, I really liked reading uh, the, uh, the Book of World Records. The oh, Guinness yeah. Book of World Records was real fun for me. You know, but it was always fact stuff, like stuff that I could learn that was like real. I didn't, wasn't into fiction. So that was kind of a hobby. But, you know, I collected baseball cards and football cards and comic books, but that wasn't really a huge, like, passion of mine. It was always, it's been fitness since I was 13. And it's just, I love the history of it. I love the history of bodybuilding. I love the history of uh, strength athletes. Um, I love the history of supplements, the history of, you know, nutrition. Um, I love learning about, um, just, I've always been into that. So it's, it's almost like when people ask me, like, what else are you into? I feel kind of bad saying it, but why? You know what I mean? It's just something I've always, I've always really enjoyed. I got really into jujitsu um, in my twenties, and I did that for about six years. But the one thing that's always been a constant, at least since I was, uh, you know, my early teens, was fitness. But it truly is my favorite hobby. It's not. There's nothing comes close to, you know, just enjoying reading about it and learning about it and doing it and, you know, anything that has to do with it. So, um, other than that, I can't think of too many of the things that I. Kind of get into you. I sound kind of boring, huh? <laughs> I just really love fitness. Yeah. 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 What else is there? Next question is Lucas Hunt 10. Do you have a go-to routine to bounce back after a night of drinking? <laughs> I have Three a, Advils and a gallon of water. Yeah, I have a protocol that I do um, the night that I, when I am drinking and then what I, you know, so what I do while I'm drinking, what I do before bed, and it seems to work. Um, now rule number one, if you want to avoid feeling super shitty the next day, don't over drink. That's in the rule number one. So I don't think there's any magic that you can do. Yeah. I don't think there's like any magic for, you know, potion you can take that'll completely eliminate that. What theanine, I think uh, somebody was talking about supplementing that and that lowering, uh, I, I don't even think like you could drink more and you wouldn't be as inebriated, uh, taking this i don't know if you know much about so theanine. substances that allow you to drink more alcohol <laughs> so that you feel you don't you know you feel better while you're drinking right it's not protecting you yeah. it may be giving you the impression that you're it's like when people do drugs like you know i've, I've actually hung out with people who will do <laughs> you know uh who are friends with other people who are doing drugs i remember one time i went to vegas with a buddy of mine and then we hung out with this other group and that's not really my scene to do a shit ton of you know party drugs or whatever but these some of these guys some of these guys and girls in this other group were doing just cocaine all night long it was my really my first time really ever uh, even being around it and i remember them saying like oh i love it man like i could drink more when i'm on it and i remember thinking like that's probably not gonna pay off yeah, yeah. i don't think that makes that might not be a good thing like i kind of like the fact that i i get drunk easier i don't need to drink as Whoa, much it was a whole bottle cause as much damage but one Oopsie. thing that, one thing that i do is um i do have i do make sure to drink uh, lots of water. I do have electrolytes, so I'll take electrolytes with me. Um, because if you just drink tons of water, you what can about just drink throw. the green juice right there. I haven't. I didn't. I haven't done it yet with the green juice, but that's actually Ooh. quite smart. Well, I, I, so this funny that with this question got brought up because literally this weekend, this is what I did, and so I was going to ask you what you thought. I mean, I felt good afterwards because I don't drink hardly at all. Like you, t- you have a pretty bad reaction to alcohol. Yeah, I just, and that's why I don't drink. You know, and it sucks because. 
my family, Katrina's family, like food and alcohol, it, like every event is surrounded around that. And, you know, it's such a big deal when somebody in her family sees me pick up a beer. Everybody makes it like it, it makes a whole big old ordeal. About it. <laughs> oh, shit. Adam's drinking. Oh, Everybody gets comes. excited. It's like a big deal. You know, like, oh, my God, I'm going to drink. Right. We're going to party all night. I'm like, whoa, dude, I'm just going to have some beers, you know. <laughs> so I had uh, I think I had four beers. Which for me, that's a lot because I don't drink at all. You know, I'm by two, I'm already feeling pretty buzzed. Three, four, it's it's got me pretty drunk. You know, because I'm a total lightweight. Um, but I also know that because I don't, I and the reason why is I always feel like shit the next day. So I last night I had um, I took actually the green juice after I was done drinking. So this was the night before last. Sorry, uh, the green juice after I was done drinking before I went to bed. And I actually washed down a, uh, a probiotic and then a probiotic in the morning time. And I feel fucking really good, dude. I actually, that's the the best I have felt. I've so you did the you did the Organifi green juice. Did you do their probiotic too? The yeah, well, Organifi pre, pre- So the pre- only reason why I did, because I normally wouldn't even think to try that, but because we they have- They hooked us up with Yeah, because that. I have these probiotics in my house and I'm like, and I'm not, I, you know, I do kombucha occasionally and it's one of those things I don't really seem to have a lot of gut issues. But if I ever do, it's like when I drink, drinking messes my gut up. So I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm going to try taking a probiotic tonight. It's funny you say that because that's part of my protocol. Part of my protocol is I do the electrolytes, water, and then I do probiotic uh, that night. Um, And and if I'm drinking heavily, I'll do activated charcoal Mm. while I'm drinking. Activated charcoal does... uh, It it, It absorbs the toxins. It it, it binds to toxins, making them so that you can't absorb them, and then you you excrete them. See, I might be from the old school, but I feel like you need to suffer through that shit. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking bitch. So... (laughs) You, you know, if you drink too much, it's your fault. Do you know? Do you actually know what the what actually causes us to feel the hungover feeling that we feel? Yeah. So it's inflammation in the liver. Or? No, it's, it's, it's the spike. It's the hard spike of blood sugar, and it's the hard crash of coming back down. Think about it. You're you are loading all this alcohol, right? So blood sugar and one after another, one beer, two beer, three beer, four beer. So your blood sugar is going. It's taking yeah. off. And then all of a sudden you go to, you pass out, right? Poop, you pass out and you go to sleep. It's that huge spike to a huge drop, which is also why people, the old take the hair off the dog and you have a, you what? know, Bloody Mary. Is that or, what you say? <laughs> yeah, is it what is it? Isn't it, is it like hair that. of the dog? Take, take a hair up. What is it? I know it's not that. I like Adam's version. Wait, what, is what is it? What is it? What is it? I know it's not take it's, the hair off the what dog. It, what is it? What is I think it? it's hair of the dog. Is it hair of the dog? Yeah, hair of the dog. What is it, Doug? Google it. I don't know. It's a colloquial. of the dog. It, yeah. Oh, Doug knows. It's a colloquial expression in the English language predominantly used to refer to alcohol that is consumed with the aim of lessening the effects of a hangover. Take the hair off the dog. What is it? What is it? Hey, what is it? Hair of the dog. Oh, hair of the dog. That was fucking yeah, close. Yeah, I feel bad for your dogs. <laughs> like, oh shit, I'm a yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey Bentley, come over here, just shave the fuck out of him. Yeah. So, so uh, it shows you how much I you drink. Right, I actually have to do this. But it's like th- throwing a monkey in the wrench. <laughs> throwing a monkey in the wrench. I like it. So it spikes it back up, right? So it's it, it mitigates how much of the crash is. So if you have this huge huge spike, you shut it down all night long, and then you wake up, and that that fucking headache is the crash. So there's the- a lot of there's a lot of factors that are coming to play. Yeah, that. that affect you the right, next hydration, day. Hydration, things like part that. Part of it is uh, there's a there's a dehydration aspect that happens and there's a uh, a layer that surrounds your brain that when you when you become dehydrated gets tight and causes uh, headaches. It can actually cause you to feel pressure in your head. There's also the alter uh, the alterations of 
certain chemicals like dopamine, serotonin, GABA. So GABA is a neurotransmitter that's a depressant. It makes you feel relaxed. Alcohol increases the amount of GABA that's put in the brain. That's why when you drink alcohol, you get relaxed and feel good. But what goes up must come come down down, and the body does adapt to what it considers to be abnormal uh, levels of anything. Anything in the body that gets abnormally high or low, the body adapts by down-regulating receptors, reducing its own production of these chemicals, and so on. So when you're pushing out all this GABA with alcohol, then when you when the alcohol wears off, your brain is producing less GABA than it normally would, which is why people who suffer from anxiety, for example, they will... Uh, this is why alcohol is not a good treatment for anxiety. If you... While you're drunk, you may feel less anxiety... The hangover, you talk to anybody with anxiety issues, they'll tell you the day after, uh, terrible. Well, I imagine, because cra- it goes up and then crashes back down the other direction. Terrible anxiety. <clears throat> dopamine is another one. When you cause dopamine to spike, which lo- lots of substances cause a high spike in dopamine, but especially al- uh, alcohol and drugs, the brain responds to high levels of dopamine very quickly. It very quickly downregulates receptors, reduces its own production of dopamine, which it may you know, give you that depressed feeling the day after. Because a hangover isn't just the physical feelings of headache and you oh, know yeah. throwing up it's shame it's you also <laughs> <laughs> just like oh no the Justin's walk, the well, yeah, Justin, <laughs> just, I have shit written just, all over my face Justin's had to walk a shame a few times <laughs> you wake up look next to you in the yeah, bed like, walking down this? walking out of some sorority yeah. house yeah. Oh, oh, shit. oh my god there's <laughs> chunks <laughs> on my shirt why am I in bed uh, with Doug uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh lord yeah but uh, but th- you know so there's a lot of things that characterize a hangover that aren't just you know headache and physical shit it's also the emotional feeling because i've had hangovers the day after where i'm not i don't have a headache i don't necessarily physically feel you know bad but emotionally i just i'm bl- i'm like flat you know what, what I mean? what's your thought about yeah. like the like shrooms or ashwagandha or any of this any of that type of stuff what do you what's your thoughts on that uh so it makes sense that uh like an adaptogen like ashwagandha would um be a good thing to take the day after but I don't want people to take that to heart. Do some research because alcohol interacts with a lot of different substances and the interaction is what's important. So you may take something that sounds like it sounds like a good idea and it's natural, but it may actually make things worse. So I'll give you another example. Passion flower. Passion flower is a natural treatment for anxiety, uh, for acute anxiety. It's actually quite effective. Like if you take passion flower, and you're having an acute uh, episode of anxiety, it can give you some effects. But what? So so maybe someone's going to think, oh shit, you know, I'm going to take passion flower afterwards and make me feel better. Well, passion flower, the way it works, is it raises GABA also. So if you take passion flower with alcohol, it might not be a good thing. It might make you more drunk, or the day after, it might just be kicking the can down the road. Where now it's like you know, like anything else, like I keep trying to get that GABA, don't let my brain reacclimate, and then I make the the, the hangover worse. Nootropics are an interesting one. So, like the racetems, you'll hear people say, "Oh, if I if I take you know paracetam or whatever, and then I drink, I, I I only have to drink one drink and I get buzzed way faster, and you know this and that. Or if I take it the next day." And we went when we went down to L.A. and met with who was the guy we met with? Uh, the quality guy? No, no uh, he was the at the where you hook up your brain Dr. to the video Andrew, game. Andrew uh, Hill. Yeah, Andrew Hill. Yeah, I brought it up to him, and he goes, "Yeah, it's probably doing more damage to your brain by combining the two. Do not combine 
nootropics with alcohol because you'll read on the forums. People I'm glad do it on you purpose. actually. I'm glad you actually said that because we, you know, going back to the last episode we did where we talked about the, this nootropic kick right now that everybody's on that that will be something I'm sure people are either are they already nootropic trying alcohol. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch, dude. Yeah. Watch. Oh, I'm man. smart while I'm doing dumb stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I think the best thing you can do is uh, for what I found, make sure you're hydrated, electrolytes. Uh, you know, activated charcoal. If you have a, you know, if your stomach feels off, probiotic was was very very smart um, from Adam. And here's the other thing too: is don't. I feel way better if I drink during the day because then it wears off and then I can sleep at night. I think part of the reason why you feel shitty the next day is because you stay up late and then you can't sleep when you try to sleep. So you feel shitty on you know because of that. Too. Oh, it's a, it's a combination. Day drinking yeah. is the best. Day drinking, you don't get, you don't feel uh, nearly as so it's so much more fun. Here's anyway. a here's a proto. I didn't even think about this. This was something because I don't drink like I used to drink when I was a kid. Like so, uh, when I had my condo, um, the complex, like a, a whole circle of the entire complex, was almost a mile. And so if I came if I came home and I was like staggering drunk, where I knew like hangover tomorrow, potentially throwing up tonight or tomorrow, I'm so bad. I would walk until I walked it off. I would literally walk around my complex like stump for hours, and <laughs> oh, just wow. I would just keep. If I felt that, I like, like to go for a drive. No, like one of the wor- one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just kidding, total joke. <laughs> that's a yeah. joke. Yeah. Uh, no, literally though, that's uh, one of the best things you can do if you pushed it too far. Is don't lay down and go to sleep. Laying down, going to sleep, and you're already feeling nauseous and a headache, and going that. Way. Oh, it's gonna be. It's just gonna get worse. Oh, I hate that feeling. If you go and you that's move, yeah, you know, move, spins. move, burn it off. Burn Turn it off, use it, you know, just keep moving. And so I just keep walking and walking until I started to feel better. And then I come home. What's the sickest you guys have ever gotten with alcohol? Like, what's the one like that you can remember? So my 21st birthday, I have, I had a weird experience. I had the first time, um, I had, uh, drank so much alcohol so fast that my body just rejected it. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't get really sick from this, but my body, I never felt my body rejected like this. And it was because I had done... My buddies first hand me this big, one of those. You remember those big glass beer mugs? Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's like three beers or whatever, two and a half, three beers. Steins. Fit, yeah, one of those big old glass ones, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, a couple beers are in there. I don't know how many fit in there. I know it's at least two. And uh, they had me pound that. You know, pound, pound. They're all. It's my twenty first birthday, right? So I do that. Uh, of course. Then they hand me the bong to take a bong rip. I take a bong oh. rip right to that. And then they hand great, then great they, combo. And then they hand me a beer bong that has three and a half beers in it. Wow. Right. And I and I slam the beer bong. And as soon as the the beer <laughs> gets Why? all the way into my stomach, I, wow. I pull the tube out and it just projectile vomit. I've never projectile vomited in my life before. <laughs> it just all got right out. Uh. It went flying out of my mouth like a tube of it and i actually after it got out i felt you didn't have time to absorb it yeah that's what happened it rejected probably three three beers full beers just straight out my body just said no that was too much too fast too soon wow dude and so that that happened on my 21st um and then i'm trying to think of some other times i I, I got a i got a story before justin because i know justin's gonna have the best (laughs) no i'm not (laughs) i know you are I I went to Vegas with two of my friends. One was my business partner. So when I first opened my wellness facility, I actually co-owned it with somebody for the first couple of years before you know I, I bought him out and then it was just mine. And uh, I went with him and this other guy and we went to Vegas. And one of the guys I went with is this English dude. And the English can fucking drink. It's, it's like the Irish. It's part of the culture. It's what they do after work. It's what they, so we go to the bars 
and we just start going hard, like one after another, one after another. And we're, we're having a great time. We're drinking, drinking. And I look over at my business partner <laughs> and he's got this strange look on his face. Like, yeah. And we were in Vegas for the Olympia, by the like, way. Like, uh-oh. No, he was just like, you know, the thousand mile stare uh, where the yeah. dude's just staring he's, forward. He's, he's just, just gone. And he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of wavering from side to side. Yeah. And I, I, I tap him on the arm. I'm like, yo, I'm like, you okay, buddy? You all right? And he doesn't even say anything. He just shakes his head. No. Uh-oh. So I'm like, oh, fuck. And so this is our, this is like three hours into like, we're just going hard. So I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, do you think you're going to throw up? And he's like, yes. So I'm like, all right, let's go. I'm going to take you to the bathroom. So I, I said, let's go. So he can't stand up. So now I know this is bad. So I put his arm on my shoulder and I walk him to the nearest bathroom in the casino. We go in there and he goes, I got to piss. I got to piss. So I'm like, all right, dude, like here's the urinal. So I put him up. (laughs) I bring him up to the urinal and he falls. So he falls to the bathroom. So I'm like, oh shit. Like, what do I do? So I held him up and he pulls his pants all the way down to his ankles and he's peeing at the urinal, and I'm holding him from behind. <laughs> You're holding him. Yes, this, this is what a good deep. friend I am, dude. Wow, like like just bare that's, butt that's cheeks. Intimate, bare butt cheeks. Yeah, and I'm not like holding like <laughs> like you, you like you could. You, you, right now, you're probably picturing that my, he's at arm's length and my hand's on his shoulders. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. he can't keep his balance no, and he's so a big fucking dude. My old business partner was a 240-pound bodybuilder. Okay, So he was a difficult motherfucker to support. So I had to like semi-embrace him. <laughs> so I had like one underhook. Were other dudes coming in? Oh, like, yeah. hey, what's oh, going yeah. on over here? Oh, no, no, dudes are coming uh, in. We got a few like like dudes that were like, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, get, get after so it. I had one underhook under, under his right arm and my left arm, I grabbed a shirt and I turned my body away because I'm like, I am not pressing my dick up against your bare ass <laughs> while you're taking a piss. So now he's pissing. He's having trouble aiming. And I'm like, yeah, definitely not going to help you with that, buddy. Pulls his shit up. I walk him up to the room and I fucking put him in the bed. He's laying there. Fucking take his shoes off. I put a big glass of water next to him. Like, are you going to be okay? Because I'm not done. I'm going to go downstairs. Yeah, I got more to do. So I leave, so I leave him there. I leave. I go back downstairs party some more. I come back at 2 a.m. and probably the most frightening moment of my life. Okay. Have you guys ever thought your friend was dead? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, I'm going to get in trouble. So I go to, <laughs> that's the first thing like, Oh no, he's dead. Oh fuck. I'm fucked. Oh no. I'm not going to tell his girlfriend. So I, I walk in the room and he's not in the bed. I'm like, what the fuck? Where did he go? So I look over to the bathroom and I'm looking <laughs> Like you can't see directly in the bathroom. You could just kind of see sideways, you know, like the, like, you know, I can't go in until I walk around the corner, but I see his leg sticking out like he's on the floor. So I'm like, Oh fuck. What did he fall and hit his head? And I walk in there and he's laying on his face and there's puke everywhere. And so I'm like, did he die? So I'm like waking him up and no, he's not dead. I felt his pulse and he's kind of waking up and I'm like, dude, and he was burning up. So I'm like, this fucker's like, is this alcohol poisoning? Like, what's going on? Oh my God. So I'm like, dude, let me call an ambulance. He's like, no, 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 don't call an ambulance. He's like, I'm just really hot, dude. I'm just really hot. I'm like, just leave me here. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to leave you on the floor, but I'm going to be right over here. So I go lay down and I set my alarm. So every hour I woke up to check on him. After about the third hour, I wake up and I check and he's not on the floor now. So now I'm freaked out. I go in there. He's in the bathtub totally naked in a cold tub and I'm like, and he's, and he's fucking almost passed out. And I'm like, you're going to drown, dude. You can't, 
you can't lay in the bathtub. He's like, I'm too hot. I'm like, I don't care. Like, you're going to fucking slip and die in the bathtub. So I had to drain the water and pick his big, wet, naked ass up out of that fucking bathtub and put him in bed again. And uh, he owes me, dude. Oh, my God. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. From that's now a lot on, of work, man. From now, for this, if I ever have to kill someone and bury them, I'm yeah. calling him first because yeah. he knows he owes me. For doing that you shit, did, you just saved his life. I had to, dude. That's a that's it, you just reminded me of a fucking crazy story that uh, we used to do. So every uh, so this is my senior year in high school, and uh, talking about you know Justin and I, small towns, big football towns. So uh, my senior year, I didn't play ball at all, and I worked. But what I did do is I was at every game. Like so, I was you know all my best, all my buddies were players and stuff, and. And that we would go to all the event. We'd travel to all the away games and the home games. We would rope off an area that was like, our, and we were the rowdy group. Every touchdown, we dogpiled each other, and it was we were crazy and loud. And we'd show up to the game blitzed already. So that was like that. We would go somewhere. We would pre-drink because we're in high school, so you're not supposed to be doing this shit, right? So we right. pre-drink somewhere else. We show up hammered at the games. Well, one of the games is a home game. We were uh, my buddy got really wasted. And we're sitting, and there's there's about three of the rows are all our friends. So there's about 15 of us that are all friends, and we're all together. And I'm on one side. My buddy, who is just like really, he's like his his face is in his hands, and he's just kind of holding himself up. And you can just tell he's any moment he's ready to get sick. And then my other buddy's on the other side of him, and he's drunk, and he's just having a good time and being loud. And he keeps fucking with my buddy. Like every like 10 minutes or so, he grabs him and he would shake him, and he'd be like, "Hey, the cops are coming." And then my buddy just would, to fuck with him. yeah, just to fuck with him. And my buddy would sit up and try and act normal, and you could just see he was just done, right? He was totally done. And I kept telling my buddy Gary to stop doing this. I'm like, Gary, dude, leave him alone, man. He's just like, oh. he just thought it was so funny that he would scare him every five minutes because he would start to fall asleep in his hands. Then he would shake him, you know, like, "Oh, the cops, they see you," you know. And so he keep doing this to him. About the third time he did this to him. My buddy sits up, opens his eyes, and just projectile vomits all over the row in front of him. Oh, all, no. All down the back of the neck of my, oh. another one of my buddies. And my buddy steps up, and he's got vomit down the back of his oh, shirt, all man. over his neck. It was, just, it was a mess, dude. It was really God bad. damn it. Yeah, they That's ripped fun. his shirt off. He wanted to fight my other buddy. It was just this oh, whole, yeah. uh, whole, whole ordeal. We got hella busted, dude. It was obvious that this whole fucked up. Yeah. It's, it's bad yeah i guess i'll tell mine <laughs> mine was uh I, I mean i've had a few but this <laughs> th this one was probably like i thought i had alcohol poisoning i think like it was pretty bad it was it was an idea that we had there was me and my friend joe who you know I, I get in the most trouble with him i'll be honest he's all my friend joe yeah. god rest his soul <laughs> i know he's still alive <laughs> okay. you know we're still cool uh but uh, he's like He's like my drinking buddy, and um, he's half Irish, half Italian, and so you know we we always would talk about um, doing something for St. Patrick's Day, and so I would usually go. I'd go to the city with him, or we'd go somewhere, you know, where we could find a cool pub to hang out. And so I actually had this little house that uh, me and Courtney just got married, and so I have this little house to myself. I have this backyard, picket fence, and all that, and uh, so I had him over, and this was like maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, you know, let's, let's, let's get started. You know, let, let's start this now. And then later tonight, you know, we can go hit up a cool bar and all that. And, and when Courtney gets off work, she can, you know, meet up with us. And so we're out there in lawn chairs, just talking shit. Like he brought 
uh, like a full case of Guinness and I had, um, I had some Bailey's and I had some Irish whiskey. So I'm like, perfect. Let's do some car bombs. Yeah. So we started doing car bombs, did eight car bombs in a row. Oh, and then like kept going too. And then, and then it's like, my record is, uh, like four dude. Jesus Christ. Where, where it got to me though, I think it was the ninth where (laughs) I I was like, there was no more, there was no more Bailey's. And so it was just like, yeah, whiskey dropping into, uh, you know, Guinness. And I was like, (laughs) you know, the gurgle started to happen a little bit. I was just like, and I was looking at the fence and I was like starting yelling profanities at like neighbors that weren't even there. (laughs) And then he was yelling at me that we're yelling and like he was stumbling over to like uh, some other part of the backyard and like. He fell and then he was in this like ditch and had like face first in like like a planter's box, you know. <laughs> he just said shit all over him and I was yelling and then I started projectile vomiting over the fence. Oh my god, dude. And then like we I guess in this whole time we had called my other friend to come over and hang out with us. <laughs> and by that time he got there, like I was leaning into the fence, like motionless. And my friend was leaning in, like he was down face first in this planter's box. And my friend was like, "Holy shit, what happened?" <laughs> and he was like trying to, uh, trying to get us to to calm down, all that. And then we like, I, I ended up actually just going to bed. Yeah, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. That was it. That was the end of the story. Did I you, didn't even make it out. Did you ever get into bear fights? Did you ever have a bear fight before? Bear fights? Yeah. Oh, there you go, kids. That sounds like a gay this, like, no, Yeah, yeah. Like, tell like, me. Like, what this, is, party. this is for all you kids out there that are into drinking. A bear, so, yeah. bear fight. Bear yeah. Fight. yeah. yeah. <laughs> run back, run back, bear. run back. I'm scared to Google that. Yeah, I don't know what's yeah. going to pop up. Google, Google it. It's a, it is a drink. It's a, it's a Jaeger bomb followed by a Irish car bomb. Oh, man. You do back to back. That is a, that's called an appropriate bear, name. It's called a bear fight. Uh, that is an appropriate name. Yeah. We used to drink that. We run two of those. We'd come, we'd show up to a place, we'd order two each, and then it'd be gay over for the night dude just uh, you're done after that it's just the, it's the speed you <clears throat> yeah know? like really like it's such a bad idea yeah. like what a stupid yeah, idea for all the kids out there yeah don't bear, do it check don't the, do it check out a bear fight next up is michael burns 33 is there more of a benefit having someone spot you on the bench where they help with the rep versus just lowering the weight on the bar and doing the same number of reps without any help. So this is comparing a forced rep yeah, versus working out by to yourself. you, yeah, you doing it on your own. So let's let's talk about what a forced rep is. Now I remember back in the day, I got a flex magazine. God, this is some of the benefits of having a, a, a photographic memories. I can literally picture. If somebody can find this, send me a picture of this. It was a flex magazine article. And it had, it was a, a mass building, I, I forgot the title, it was Mass Building Secrets, and it had a picture of Mike Matarazzo, who was this bodybuilder in the 90s that I was a huge fan of. He ended up passing away uh, not too long ago, but he had these massive arms, and it was like, it was like, it was flex, right? Mass Building Secrets, and you, and I bought this, and I was so fucking pumped to buy this. It must have been like, I want to say 1994 or 95, God, and crazy. I opened it. And in the magazine, there's an article of like principles of mass building and of uh, principles of like cutting or something like that, right? So I didn't give a shit about the cutting, <coughs> didn't read those, but I looked at all the principles for mass building and what they were naming were these high intensity training techniques, these weeder principles or training techniques that 
were great for building mass, according to this magazine. And of course, we all know Flex Magazine at that time, maybe still today, puts out shit information. But anyway, the the techniques were all like partial reps and forced reps and drop sets and like super high intensity things, yeah. which I, of course, did all of them in the same workout. Like, I'm like, oh, cool, this set, I'm going to do partial reps, forced, you know, forced reps, and end up burning myself out. And I learned very quickly that it, these high intensity techniques should be used super rarely. And yeah. what, a, what a forced rep is, is when you're going to failure on an exercise, like let's say I'm doing curls and I'm working out with Justin. And, uh, which you know, would never happen, which would never, we'd never do curls, yeah. but let's just say we did. Let's sure. say, let's say we got, yeah. Hypothetically. So, yeah. Whatever. I'm doing curls. I go to failure. It's my 10th rep. That's the last possible one I can perform. So now I'm going to go for an 11th rep and I'm trying to get it up and I can only get it up like four inches and I'm, uh, I'm struggling. And what Justin does is he applies just enough help mm-hmm. to let me get the bar up, but with a lot of struggle. That's why it's called a forced rep. So I'm, I'm, it's not like he's helping me a lot so the rep is easy. He's helping me a little bit so that the bar barely moves up as I curl it. This will fry the fuck right. out of your body. It causes a lot of muscle damage. Lots of damage, yeah. It's a technique you can utilize super, super rarely to the point where I recommend it for almost nobody unless you're super advanced and you've got great recovery ability and everything else is factored in. And every, maybe once every macro cycle, like once every three to six months or so when I throw something like this in. That's how intense it is on the body. So if I'm going to compare a forced rep to not going to failure or doing it on your own, the one that I'm going to always, I'm going to err to, or the one that I'm going to say is, is far more effective is the one that you do on your own. Because as we've talked about many times on the show, intensity is important, but it can be overdone mm-hmm. very easily. And for the most part, every time you work out, you shouldn't even go to failure. For the most part, if you stop one or two reps short of failure, you're going to see your, yourself progress right away. Well, this right was away. such a, a game-changing uh, mentality for me uh, to begin with, just not having a spotter. <clears throat> Back in the day, it was like if you worked out, uh, especially in the gym and you're, you're, you're doing these group workouts with the team, or I, I just thought you always had to have a spotter because you always – had to go for that maximal exertion and to have them around to make sure everything's safe and um, you, you, the weight's not crushing you, all that kind of stuff. Whereas I can't even remember the last time I had like a spotter. And, and even then I get irritated because like I've had somebody actually spot me on a squat and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, like it, honestly, it's like a squat's it, funny though. It's just, just it, kind of hug them. Yeah. It's funny, but it's like, it's unnecessary. I'd rather just dump it, right? You know, off my back, and I'm way like I know I'm under control enough to be able to do that, like more effectively. As you I should. And I feel like the spotter, it's like awkward. It's like they don't know where exactly to like apply force to help you in the right spot, or like I've never had success with that. I'm I'm gonna go even further and say that uh, it's such a waste of time. And I know there's a bunch of people that are like, oh, you know, whoa, safety first. Because we did, we did preface this with saying that, yes, there, you know, when you do a force rep, there's all kinds of muscle damage that happens, which if that happens, it then in turn can build some more muscle. The problem is, and, and I think why I'm so passionate about it, because just like Justin, I was a kid like this, that when I was... 17 to probably 23-ish, I always had a workout partner. And and from the very first exercise I did, we were going to failure set one. Mm -hmm. Set one, 
right yeah. in the got on the dumbbell press like we, you know you had a warm up set right to get the blood flowing but then we were right to weights where I needed help on my elbows. You know what I'm thinking right now is yeah. is uh, just how um, how far we got in spite of the shit training we did and right. it was all because we were young and full of testosterone. Just resilient. Because if I did that now I would burn my I would die. Yeah. Back then I got away with it. I didn't progress like I could have. But the reason why we did is because. You're 18 years old. You get all this testosterone flowing, so you just kind of get away with it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, it, I think that it's completely overused by especially, you know, teenage uh, boys in early 20s because it is this whole motivation, beast mode, no days off is so over glorified that you everybody has this mentality. And I still see it even beyond that. So I've got buddies. I just saw a buddy post this morning, you know, and he's like, oh, day one back in the gym. Man, my my buddies fucking crushed me. Man, I feel great, you know. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, like day one back in the gym. Like, if there's ever a time that you don't want to crush yourself, it's that day. It's yeah. day one. Day one in the gym. Like, okay, recovered from my surgery, hammered my leg. Yeah, yeah. Right. what? Right. It's like there is yeah. no it, no reason to to push PR. to that point at that at that point in your programming because your body has now got adapted to you not working out. And so any sort of working out is going to send a new signal, a stimulus to it to make it want to grow and build muscle. So I don't want to, ha why hammer myself? Because that's only going to impede my workout the next day or two. So this is completely overused and abused by so many people. Yeah. Uh, is there a place for it? Yes. It, if you ever see me use it, um, I might use it a little more frequently than what Sal recommended, although I agree with him that this is something that is very, very uh intermittently used throughout your your training protocol. Uh, I typically use it as the last exercise, the last set, the last exercise of the day. If I'm going to do it, if I'm going to take my to complete failure or ask for a spot, this is it. Um, I did this. I already did two or three different exercises for my chest or shoulders or arms or whatever it is that I'm about to take to failure. And it's the last set, the last exercise, and I'm going to try and force a rep out and then it's done. It's like I've totally... I've pushed all the way to that limit. Starting a workout like that is so absurd, and it was something I did for many years. And looking back now, it's the, one of the dumbest things I ever did, which was right away, I would go right to my favorite exercise for that muscle group, right? So if it's, you know, I'm working chest, it's either flat bench or dumbbell, you know, bench press were my two favorite movements. And you better believe I was lifting the heaviest weight I possibly could at, at, on that on that exercise and taking it to failure or having somebody spot me. And then all the rest of my chest exercises that I would do in that workout were really minimal what they were doing for me because I was already get my central nervous system's already fried my muscles already fatigued yeah. so it's just pumping more blood in there I'm just I'm just reinforcing the whole hypertrophy phase of programming and so I lived in that phase forever because I thought that I needed to go to failure at every set every exercise I did to get this maximal growth because of the articles like you read in flex magazine I was reading the same bullshit so yeah it's grossly overused I don't recommend uh, spotters, it, you know, and also I think it's again we're talking about the the general population. There's there we're you're now talking about something completely different when you talk about somebody who's a power lifter, yeah, who's lifting for a competition, right? Yeah, that, you need somebody there, right? A coach. If there's anybody who uses this technique more than anybody else, it would be these guys, right? But, but even then, they got to be even more careful. Even then, they're super calculated about it. Yes, and power lifters. <laughs> rarely go to failure. That's the truth. They rarely yeah, ever do. Exactly. In fact, there's some powerlifting coaches that say the only time you go to failure is your meet. 
That's the only time you test yourself with your absolute max. Yeah. Olympic lifters never go to failure except for the day of their competition where they push themselves. Bodybuilders are the ones that use it the most. And I don't, and a lot of it has to do with, I think, the, the drugs that they use and the fact that they've got these crazy genetics. Well, and it goes back to the hypertrophy thing that yeah. I was saying is, is sure, if you're all hypertrophy and that's all you train and, and strength is not as much of a priority. And you can see it. You can, I mean, uh, you know, I'm watching our boy uh, Jeremy Buendia doing his deadlifting, and the dude is a fucking, his muscle size and density is, I mean, he's this huge, his legs are big. I mean, the guy is 200 something pounds, and he's only five foot fucking eight or seven or something. I mean, he's, mm. for a little men's physique guy, he's massive. But then, like, you know, deadlifting three plates is a big deal for him. You know, I saw him, his, he had a PR the other day at 500 pounds, which, for as big as he is, he should be a lot stronger than that. And as for as much gear that he's probably taking, he should be much stronger mm. than that also. But when you don't train that when you don't train that way, you don't train those movements and that's what happens. And you can look that impressive because you've trained hypertrophy all the time, but then your muscles don't have the ability to to pull up something mm. like that. Next question is from Ryan C. Jung. In episode 610, you spoke with Dr. Andy Galpin about how Orange Theory took an old proven wrong concept of optimal training in the heart rate zone and built a business around it. As a PT, I'm being taught to work clients to this zone. Can you please explain how Orange Theory has implemented this concept? So heart, the heart rate zone theory that we were taught when we were trainers goes like this. If you train within this particular heart rate zone, you will burn more body fat than if you train outside of the zone. Outside of the zone, if you go too hard, uh, you'll burn less body fat. If you go too low, you burn less body fat. So stay within this. What they we used to call the fat burning zone. Now I didn't realize, but they were taking some science and turning it into a sales method. Because now a trainer sounds like they can teach you something about cardio, which is really fucking easy. Cardio is easy. Get on the machine and do your cardio. But, oh, no, no, you want me to teach you how to get in the fat-burning zone because you don't want to waste your time on this yeah. not burning any body fat. And every, you better believe that's we use that angle for sure. We did. Yeah. The reality is uh, what the studies showed was that a greater percentage of your calories came from body fat if you trained within a per, per, uh, certain zone. However, the total calories uh, are really what matters most And uh, if you're just looking at cardio in that particular sense. Now, we've talked about cardio ad nauseum. Uh, in this show and how it sends the wrong signal if you do too much of it. But if you're just looking at, you know, doing cardio, what's going to burn the most fat? Uh, total calories is probably uh, what you really want to look at. Now, as far as Orange Theory is concerned, Orange Theory... They attach themselves more to Epoch than they attach themselves to Target Harbor. I think yeah. the reason why Orange Theory used it is it's a way for people to adjust their own intensity in the class when you have one instructor and you have, you know, 15 or 20 people. Because now they can look up at the board, see what their heart rate is, and they can go harder or lower and judge it off of their own individual heart rate. So it's actually brilliant. Oh, yeah, turn a game and, out of it. Yeah, that's, it's actually brilliant in that uh, particular sense. Is it more effective? No, it's, it's, a, it's a total myth. It doesn't matter. Perceived exertion is more important, really, than, anything, than any of that. Um, but it is a coaching tool that Orange Theory uses because, you know, Orange Theory is a large bit of business, and they're going to use a lot of gimmicks to, you know, just like the orange light and the branding and whatever, uh, to, you know, attract more people. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, we've talked about orange theory in the past and, uh, it's exploding. I definitely see, uh, in the future, it's going to drop considerably because 
they're pretty limited. Like I could see that shit getting boring over and over again. Well, and be, that type of training is not ideal anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they did really well is they, they latched onto the culture thing that CrossFit did really good, and they're doing that really well, and that's where they're kind of kicking ass right now. The old proven wrong concept, though, uh, that Orange Theory adopted, um, I think it was me who referred to that. I wasn't referring to the target heart rate, although the target heart rate zone is a bunch of bullshit too. Um, I was referring to Epoch. So they they the or, which is the orange zone. The orange zone in the orange theory is 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 pushing you beyond the target heart rate zone. And their theory is that if you spend twelve to fifteen minutes in the you know in your maximal heart rate zone, which would be the orange zone from orange theory, then you are getting the benefits of what's called epoch. Epoch is excess post oxygen consumption, which is just a fancy acronym to tell us that okay, because I pushed my body this hard, I'm going to burn X amount more calories per day. The numbers that they use are incredibly inflated, and there's such a huge individual variance in every person from their met- current metabolism, their size, exactly how hard they pushed, what they ate right before they came in, where they fasted from the day before. There's so many variables that come into play to make that science true or not true that it's pretty much moot. So the fact that they you they've completely built a brand around a concept that is kind of dead like epoch is not we've known about epoch for a very long time Mm -hmm. it's just not worth talking about it because it's not that big of a difference you're talking about this now studies have come to show that it's probably really the difference of 40 to 50 calories in a day like the difference of you spending 15 minutes in it's like heating up your core temperature and then like you stay like somewhat like hot like leaving the gym and so now i'm like burning a little bit more calories that's really what it is if if you push the heart rate up beyond target heart rate you're obviously because you're pushing the heart harder you're obviously going to force more blood, more oxygen, more calories get burned and consumed. So there's your extra calories right there. If you pushed really hard, then it's going to take the body that much longer to let the heart rate come all the way back down, which then in turn burns a few more calories also. And throw and the idea is that all day long, your your body is at your heart rate's at a little bit higher heart rate than what it would normally be if you were like rested all day. Nothing is going to get you to burn more calories than it's speeding up your metabolism yourself. This whole concept of manual calorie burning, you know, I want to hammer it because uh, it's a it's a terrible approach towards, um, you know, especially in modern life uh, mm-hmm. to getting lean. If I'm constantly focusing on how many calories I can burn manually by moving, um, uh, I'm going to it's a losing battle because my body adapts to that. We have lots of sciences to show that when you just move a lot, do lots of cardio, the body then adapts by becoming more efficient some of the ways it becomes more efficient is by reducing your muscle mass. Other ways are by tra- changing hormones, by reducing movement outside of your scheduled movement, uh, by changing your appetite to offset it. Do, you know, there's all these other things that happen. So you may burn extra calories in the short term, but then as your body adapts to it and becomes more efficient, now you're burning as, uh, roughly as much as you were before, but now you have to exercise your shit ton just to equi- be the same. Right. We know we have studies done on h- modern hunter-gatherers that prove this. These are societies where people move way more than the average, you know, American, and their calorie burn is not that much more, and it's because their bodies became efficient. Now, if you want, you if you really want to burn more calories, you you send a signal to your body that tells it to become less less efficient with its calories. And the best way to do this is by building muscle, building strength, and building muscle. And Orange Theory is not a great way to do that. It just isn't. It's it's circuit type training. You're going to build endurance with it. 
It's a little bit better than just, it's better than, you know, uh, steady state cardio, but it's not, uh, well, it's nowhere near what, you know, strength training. I'll tell you why it's really bad because it's not even really good circuit training because, because they did such a good job of building the culture around the orange theory and pushing epoch. And it's the reason why I'm speaking out on it so much is that it trained, it turned this whole, uh, these clubs into this culture of people chasing points. I mean, because they did such a good job of gamifying it. Now it's become competitive on who can be up in the orange for more time. When in reality, they shouldn't be in there more than 12 to 20 minutes. Because that's what the, uh, the so protocol is. Stretching beyond their actual like uh, limitations they had set. Well, not only that, but then you have these people that are chasing the aerobic side so much. They're not getting the anaerobic benefits because the way the class is designed mm-hmm. is half the class you're spent on the row and the treadmill. The other half of the class you're spent lifting weights in the weight area. But to get the real good benefits of the weight training, you need to slow. Yeah, Yeah, you need need to slow down. You need to take rest between reps. So when I was there, I used to do that. I used to make my. I don't know how long how how you lasted so long because you. I I remember you saying like you would say the opposite of what they would. You ran the classes the way you wanted. Well, that's why they were so okay with me leaving, right? (laughs) (laughs) I kind of ran my own. You know, and and you know, shout out to Brendan because we're buddies and stuff like that, and he. Allowed, Great guy. Yeah, he gave, Love him. he gave me the the flexibility to do that. I think he trusted me to know I wasn't going to – I was never bad-mouthing Orange Theory while I was there. I was just helping – I was doing what I could do to help those people, which would be – I saw these issues. One of those issues being that these people were chasing these points so much that they weren't getting the real benefits of the weight room area. And so when they were in my class, I'd be yelling at everybody, slow the fuck down. If you can keep going from exercise to exercise to exercise without ever stopping, the weight's not heavy enough and you're not giving yourself any rest. Like It should be a heavy enough weight that the next time you go to pick it up, if you go to pick it up right afterwards with no rest, you won't be able to complete the reps. You'll have to rest to be able to complete the reps. Otherwise, we're just staying aerobic. Otherwise, you may as well just stay on the goddamn treadmill and the rower because we're doing the same thing and you're just doing it with weights. Mm-hmm. We're not really sending a signal to build a lot of muscle by doing that. And this is, I mean, we, we did a lot of uh, seminars at some of the local, you know, orange theories and you know, at some point it wasn't conducive for the, for for them to even let us speak there because people would ask us, "Hey, you know, and they, these obvious, you know, uh, you know, HPA axis dysfunction or mm-hmm. overwork, you know, yeah. you know, women would come up to me like, right. "I'm really fatigued, but I'm taking four classes a week and yeah. you know, my diet's 1500 calories, I'm not losing weight." And you know, my advice would be like, "Okay, so what you need to do is take one class a week and then lift weights at the gym." Three days a week, so I'm like telling them to do less Orange Theory, yeah. and you know, which no, I had to, weight training. Yeah, I'm going to tell them the truth, or you know, what I think is best for them, but it's not conducive for them to have us speak and then tell the oh, people no. it was, to do less classes. People were start, so I started the thing too within the one that I was at, where um, I told people like because people would start asking me, and I can't, I'm not going to lie to them, and they'd be like, Adam, this hurts, this is going on, this. I'm like, stop running on the treadmill. Yeah, I know, and they're like, well, what do I do? That's part of the class. I'm like, walk then. If you're going to get on it. And you're gonna and you're gonna do this part of the class. Walk, walk, or spend time doing these corrective movements that I would give them. So you come by my class, and there'd be the all treadmill would be walking on the treadmills <laughs> because out of and what I would super I, intense. And they're like, well, I want to burn more calories. I said, listen, if you want to burn more calories and we want to work on these issues you have, you're kind of it's like you're sending competing signals. So you know maybe walk and and hold on to like some ten pound dumbbells and retract your shoulders and do like basically like farmer walks on the on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. So I had these people so my whole class Smart. would have everyone would be holding these little dumbbells and do them be like what the fuck is going on this is and, and you know I, I mean kudos to you because you had to like 
get really get, fucking get, creative. Exactly. So like, how can I? Yeah. How can I work within these parameters? Right. Oh, and you know, deliver. You know, what what they if I you started like, like mobility like yeah, sessions I in there did, and everything. I, so yeah. at the end, right, what you're supposed to do in those classes, I don't know what the protocol is now. When I was there, you're supposed to. Uh, go through like this uh, spiel, like you're supposed to go over all the announcements and whatever's going on with Orange Theory and do all this stuff. I would coach and teach. And so I would, I would teach and I would teach mobility moves. I would t- teach 90, 90, I would teach these moves. And then while I was teaching them and they were doing the moves, cause I only had like seven minutes, you know, it was like a seven minutes. What could I give these people that's going to benefit them if they're doing these circuit type classes. So I'd have them doing mobility drills while I'm teaching on the board. I'd be writing like nutritional facts. Or I'd, I'd pick like one topic of the day and I'd give them these, these, these random facts. Luckily I had Brendan as an owner who I think owns like 15 of the facilities now, because if I was in a corporate office, there's no way they would allow everything that I did there. Yeah. He, he allowed me my flexibility to, to help the people. And it showed my classes were, you know, obviously more full than anybody else's. And I have no idea what it's doing now or there, but I heard they're they've gotten really corporate like, mm. and it's, I was a part of kind of a little bit of the wild, wild west. Fitness has to be the most fad driven industry that you could possibly think of. Oh my God. Every decade seems to it drives have, me it's, crazy. it seems to have its, you know, it's like this curves and then orange theory. And then, you know, this next, the next wave of whatever. And, uh, you well, know, you know, it's, you know, a book talks about this is, you hit, know, spinning is and, hit know. makers. So Hitmakers talks about, and this 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 plays. You talk about fitness being fads, music, movies, everything that we do. It has to have some sort of resemblance of something we've seen before for us to catch on to it and attach ourselves to it. If it's so foreign and so different than anything that we're used to, we're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. But if we if there if there is reminiscences of other things that we've seen in the past then that's something that we will 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 gravitate towards and so they talk about that's part of the formula in hitmakers on you know how something goes viral how something takes off like orange theory mm-hmm. it's got to have this kind of similar flavor it's not really it's like curves and crossfit like wrapped in a pretty fucking orange bow is what it is you know what i'm yeah. saying it's like this com- <laughs> combination of the two of them it's really not that different than those two models it's just crossfit and curves head sex yeah if crossfit uh, yeah they would have an orange an baby orange baby <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible Check it out. Smells like citrus. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's a new video posted every single day. Justin did something extremely embarrassing on today's video. Get yourself a bear fight. You pantsed me. Check it out. Uh, Also, if you go to mindpumpmedia.com, we have 30 days of fitness information. We call it 30 days of coaching. It's free. It's for anybody. Just go there and register. Mindpumpmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.